0: From breaking news to local stories happening where you live, this is the Jill Bennett Show podcast. I think a lot of people would like a holiday today, especially given the snowfall and what is still happening in many parts of Metro Vancouver and the South Coast. Let's check in with Claire Newell as we do every Wednesday afternoon at this time. Claire, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Jill. And I think a lot of people would like a a hot holiday, but
1: unfortunately, snow is really the top story when it comes to travel at the moment as well, not just here at YVR, but right across Canada, the U.S., even into Europe. Um, Half of all of the flights today were cancelled out of Frankfurt Airport. Um, They've had almost 400 cancellations in the last 24 hours. Here at YVR, um, I looked at 1030 And there were 88 cancellations. I looked just before I came onto the show and there were 98 Mm. cancellations. So this is a continuing story. If you are heading to the airport, just make sure you check the status of your flight before you get on the roads to get there or take transit better yet. This is going to be a situation that will impact travel. Um, probably for the next couple of days, because it's not just the departures, it's also the arrivals from airports that are also dealing with this awful weather. And so what we're finding is is that the airlines are starting to offer very flexible change and cancellations. Um, So uh, be prepared for that. Uh, Make sure that your contact information is up to date with the airline. What we're noticing is a lot of the airlines are actually getting in touch with their passengers who are are affected by email and giving them the choice to change to a different flight that they offer, or even look themselves or cancel. So um, that's the best way to do it. It's the most convenient. the The phone lines are just jam jill. we've got a couple of people that are that we're um, helping deal with, and the 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 lines to get through are really rough. Um, if you are getting out because there are. Uh, flights getting out of YVR today. Just be prepared for the necessary de-icing. Safety is first. And I just wanted to do, I know I don't normally do this, but I I really wanted to do a shout out to the um, airside team at YVR for working outside in this snow. I don't want to be out in it. I can't imagine being out in it, but they're tirelessly working to keep people and those planes moving safely.
0: Oh, absolutely. And they they did send out, uh, YVR sent out an update as of noon uh, saying exactly what, what you'd said that. So they've gotten about 20 centimeters of snow and that it's equal to uh, the, the nine kilometers in length when they look at clearing all of the runways. But they also Said that so eighty percent of the scheduled flights are operating. Doesn't uh, yeah. they're all on time, but eighty percent no, are operating. It's amazing. Uh-huh. It's, yeah,
1: because when we saw this type of snowfall last winter break, there was no way that there were eighty percent going. In fact, there might have been ten, or even <laughs> maybe even less. It was horrendous last year. So um, when the thing that I keep saying that I'm grateful for is that it wasn't over the the massively busy holidays, the winter holidays that we were having. Although that is no consolation to those people who are sitting at the airport with their flip flip-flop, flops on mm-hmm. hoping to go somewhere hot today and they might be delayed or um, hopefully not cancelled anyway.
0: All right. So that is the latest at YVR. We will keep an eye on that. What else do we have for travel news? Oh, I
1: I wanted to share this one story, Jill, that's just so nasty. (laughs) It's about how the U.S. has intercepted a record number of firearms at airports in 2023. Like, this is just insane to me. So they collected about 6,700 firearms at airport security checkpoints in the U.S. That is the record. And um, what was frightening to me is that nearly 93% of those were loaded. So Mm. a lot of people have said when they did this report, they said that the most common excuse that they had was that people forgot that they were in their carry-on bag. My thought was, okay, doesn't a responsible gun owner, if you happen to be a gun owner, I don't even think I know very any maybe um. Um, but if you're responsible, don't you know where that gun is, especially if it's loaded at any given moment?
0: Uh, you absolutely should, and I know that the, <laughs> the laws in the states are very different uh, than the laws we have here in Canada. But uh, that's, uh, yeah, that is that is not responsible gun ownership uh, for no, sure, especially th- going into an airport.
1: Now they do have uh, they do have laws. I mean, they say that you can't, and that you're the if you're caught at an airport, you're liable to a civil penalty of up to fifteen thousand dollars. Just to note, the worst. Fendering or airports, Atlanta followed by Dallas and Houston. So the South.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So those are, yeah, some uh, interesting numbers there uh, for sure. Uh, Let's look at a couple more stories. Uh, We've still got some time here before we get to the deals. Uh, Electronic or electric, sorry, electric vehicles. Interesting for car rentals.
1: Yeah. So uh, you and I chatted about this about a year ago that Hertz was doing this massive push to do electric vehicles. And they have just come out to say that they're going to sell 20,000 EVs from their U.S. fleet, and they're going to replace them with gas-powered cars. Now that is approximately a third of their EV fleet worldwide, and the reason that they're doing this, that they have cited higher expenses related to collision and damage as one of the motivations for this move. The other thing is, is that a lot of people they they, they they've had a massive percentage of EVs, which is in principle such a great idea, but. The population hasn't reflected that. Um, you know, there's not a third of the population that has EVs, and they're not comfortable actually renting them. So, you know, they're just not sure about how to, where the charging stations are and how to do it and all of that type of thing. So it was very interesting that they kind of took a step backward here, but this is clearly necessary for them in their, their world of rental cars. They would have looked long and hard at making this decision, um, given given the fact that they're kind of going, like I say, a bit of a step backwards.
0: All right. Interesting. Uh, this is a, a fun one too. Although I, I know a lot of people cringe putting uh, the, the word moon at the back, uh, adding it to any other word to make it a compound word, but uh, a yes. buddy moon. What the heck? I, this one, I had to read a couple of times. So,
1: you know, the, um, this whole idea of honeymooning with friends, they're coining it buddy moons, is this growing trend. I mean, it's not going to, by any stretch of the imagination, um, come close to the traditional honeymoon, but it's been growing as a trend. And the people who are tending to do this are couples in their, say, in their 30s, they're well-established in their relationships. They um, have usually traveled together in the past, so that what they want to do is they want to go and enjoy a, a destination with their friends a lot of them will do it where they get married at a destination wedding and then they'll combo it so they might stay at the same resort get married with all their friends and then go off and do a, a honeymoon maybe for part of the time with their friends and then the rest of it would be on their own so the combo is more um, you know more popular than the the whole doing the whole time with your friends but this was interesting to me because my husband Jeff would have not wanted to do a uh, a buddy moon ever when we first got married, which was a, almost 28 years ago, but <laughs> you mm. would that would not be on his his list of uh, things that he'd want to do
0: that also I mean, do we really need to call this a buddy moon? It's just traveling with friends. And in some cases, you happen to be traveling with them right after you got married. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's, just it's a
1: group so- trip. It's a group trip. Basically, it's a group trip. Yeah. (laughs) There were so many stories that um, I wanted to to touch on today. I did want to touch quickly on this new route, Zip Air. I've had so many people recently say to me that they wanted to head to Japan. And this um, was announced um, a a little while ago. It's Zip Air, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Japan Airlines, is going to be starting flights between Vancouver and Tokyo on March 13th. Um, It's an ultra low cost, carrier business model. So you will have to pay for things like meals or if you want priority boarding and that type of thing. But the the rates start at just over $350 for one way, so each way, which is really good. So $700 round trip to do that. Um, so I wanted to just put that out there. If you really want to just flourish, it's about $1,100. Each way for a lay flat, because this is on a Boeing 787 Dreamliner configured with a 290 seat layout. So um, they're initially going to start with three flights a week. But if Japan's been on your bucket list, but the, the flights have been looking ah, pretty expensive, this is something you might want to consider. Zip Air. The, the website's pretty, um, pretty simple and basic,
0: uh, but I did spend a little bit of time on it, and those rates are there. All right, that one is uh, Zip Air. Good to check that one out. Uh, Lots of stories we can maybe cover next week when we chat because I do want to get to the deals, especially since I think there are a lot of people thinking about the heat today. What deals do you have? Um, I have a very last-minute deal to Veradero, Cuba.
1: January the 23rd or 25th, Aaron, seven nights in a beachfront, all-inclusive resort, $555, the taxes of four eighty. dollars um, a little bit later, the Riviera Maya. So flying into Cancun, going a little south, um, there are several dates available: late February and early March. So February 29th, March 1st, 4th, 5th, 6th, or 7th, and that is air and seven nights in a four-star beachfront all-inclusive resort for $899. The taxes of $614. The next is a really cool itinerary, Um, sailing from Honolulu to Vancouver. Now, there's lots of those Hawaii cruises that do that. This is a little bit longer. So this is a repositioning from Hawaii, coming over to Vancouver to start Alaska. It's leaving on April the 22nd. It's a 16-nighter because it does Hawaii. Then it crosses over, does Alaska before ending in Vancouver. And I thought it was a great price. It's a 16-night cruise, Hmm. and it comes with open bar, Specialty dining, Wi-Fi, and a shore excursions credit for twelve ninety-nine. The taxes of uh, six forty-six. A really good buy um,
0: if you w- are able to spend sixteen nights at sea. Wow, that is a very cool one. A bit of a different uh, cruise. Uh, we've got time. Let's do this last one as well. Well, Southeast Asia has been on a lot of people's bucket list, so I, I found this deal. That's a
1: seventeen-night trip, and it includes the airfare, and it does Vietnam. Cambodia, and Thailand. Those three countries are perfect to do um, on one trip, especially when you've got 17 nights to do it. It's between April the 18th through until November 14th. Now, the cheaper dates are going to be the earlier dates, so April, but airfare, 17-night guided tour, all of your accommodation, your breakfast every day, the sightseeing and the transfers, including the air, and including tax, $35.29, Thirty-five twenty-nine, which is a steal for seventeen nights. Ooh.
0: All right, uh, great deals. And again, I know a lot of people are probably wanting to get out, or at least think about, it. dream about it. Dream yeah, about it.
1: Yes. dream about it. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, listen, stay warm and um, stay safe on the roads if you happen to need to drive, Jill. And I will talk to you next week.
0: We are going to talk more about that and something that you just heard on the news, and that was the response from Fortis, B.C. to that gas and the odor and the leak in Delta. Well, George Harvey is joining us now. He is the mayor of Delta. Mayor Harvey, thank you so much for taking the time.
2: Oh, thank you. Uh,
0: Just before we get to Fortis and what's happening with that, how are things as far as the roads and the snow in Delta?
2: Well, we've activated, of course, our snow plan, and uh, our crews are working 24 hours straight on clearing priority routes. Uh, They're keeping up with the snow as best as they can. Uh, Our Delta Fire advised just recently that they've only had a few motor vehicle accidents this morning. Um, But our Delta Police Department has redeployed all its available members onto the roads for all hands-on-deck approach. Uh, our, Our Police Chiefs Neil Reward's biggest concern is, and always usually is, is the Alex Fraser Bridge. Um, But uh, we're working very hard out there, and we expect to keep going for the next uh, 48 hours for sure.
0: Uh, We heard earlier, uh, speaking of the Alex Fraser, that the snow chains were being used as far as going down the cables to stop those uh, snow bombs from falling on the vehicles. Uh, So does it sound like like things look okay on the bridge so far?
2: No, it's only still uh, one lane uh, in each direction. Uh, We're just uh, worried about, of course, the afternoon rush. Uh, More people will be leaving work early. Uh, We would ask uh, everybody to see if they can leave early um, and also if they can make alternate arrangements. I I really really predict that the highways are going to be a problem uh, later on in the evening. We're expecting uh, high ice concerns as the temperatures cool down. Uh, and freezing rain Thursday night. So the next 48 hours is going to be a tough one for everybody.
0: Is it possible, uh, the the bridge being one lane now, uh, well, I guess anything is possible, but with the ice concerns especially, uh, is it a possibility or or consideration that that bridge might be closed?
2: Uh, The police chief is always uh, concerned with regards to that, and uh, I support whatever decision he makes insofar as public safety.
0: All right. Well, we will stay tuned and uh, be keeping an eye on what is happening uh, there. I also wanted to talk to you about uh, the, the letter that you have written or the statement from you. And, and for people that were unaware of what was happening here uh, and uh, the statement that you've released on the response from Fortis, BC about this gas odor, what actually happened? What, what were Delta residents dealing with?
2: Well, the problem was, is that uh, we didn't know what was going on. We knew there was a gas leak and it was reported. Then there wasn't a gas leak reported. It was a captain's uh, spill. I mean, there was a number of situations. I was very upset. I know the police chief was, too, and our fire chief. Uh, We had two different uh, reports from uh, Fortis on this. I've spent a considerable time this morning talking to uh, their vice vice president. Um, He's committed to doing a review of the incident. Uh, with our police chief, our city manager and our fire chief. Uh, And he's also committed at my request to come to a regular meeting of council to go over uh, what they're going to do to ensure and give Delta Council and myself as mayor in a community more confidence in their emergency preparedness and their emergency protocols. I've asked my staff to go over Fortis's emergency plan to ensure the proper protocols for communication are in place because obviously there wasn't in this case four hours, four hours. We did not know what was going on and jill the biggest concern we all had of course is once you get all these calls and it's based upon just an odor but we weren't sure we have to respond to every incident of people saying there's a gas odor around their home and if we didn't and it was a gas odor then we would have had more problems our fire department was overtaxed on all the complaints and all the requests for them coming to their homes to determine whether or not they did have a gas leak mm-hmm. so this is a to me, this has been a, a very, very irresponsible action taken by this company, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing their commitment to getting back into a situation where, the again, Mayor and Council and our community have confidence in them.
0: So this was the, the Fortis BC, the interconnect station in Ladner. And I know in a statement that was actually put out by Fortis, uh, Fortis BC, uh, the, uh, the cor- uh, corporate communications saying Fortis BC was conducting a controlled release of gas and identified a minor secondary leak, uh, which is under, now under control and will be starting the necessary repairs. So, uh, so was it that they were dealing with this controlled release but just didn't tell anybody?
2: Well, it certainly was a minor. I don't know why they mentioned it was minor. It covered most of South Delta and at times North Delta and at times Richmond and Point Roberts. This was not minor and it was a serious irritant uh, to our, our community. So this was just not a minor situation. Um, I, I'm still waiting, looking forward to the investigation by our staff along with for us uh, with regards to why how this actually happened and what you know i hope this isn't going to be a regular occurrence of of doing minor uh, discharges of uh, methane i'm sorry captains. Uh, but there's a lot of information that we want to dig into and to ensure again uh, that we cannot uh, protect our community safety without proper cooperation from industry and uh, in this case, it certainly wasn't cooperative at all.
0: Especially since, is it not also a concern that uh, that a leak that spread that large area, like you said, South Delta, Ladner, North Delta, Point Roberts, that people are constantly reminded that if you smell rotten eggs, if you hear the sound of escaping gas, if you suspect that there is a gas leak, to call, get out of your house, call. And I mean, that's part of the whole Fortis BC ad campaign. Uh, people might uh, have gone through this, have now heard that that Fortas didn't tell people what was going on? And in the future, is it a concern people might smell or be hearing an actual gas leak and think, oh, well, it's probably just another exercise. I won't worry about it.
2: Well, that's, that's a real good con- uh, concern that we've even talked about. Um, but again, uh, if for, they did not let us know accurately what was happening for four hours. And during that time, we were bombarded, as I mentioned in my statement, uh, through the fire and police departments with calls. And it's our responsibility, which we did, to attend to each of those calls to ensure there was no on-site gas leak. Um, but uh, you know, we need to ensure that this doesn't happen again.
0: And you mentioned that, that you've had conversations, though. Have you had uh, even uh, um, an apology or an acknowledgement that, that this is, as you put it in your statement, egregious oversight?
2: Yes, there was an apology this morning, but the apology shouldn't come to me directly uh, all the time. You know, it has to go to our community. It also has to go to council. And that's what I've asked them to do. And again, um, they're just, I'm just getting a letter drafted for me to <clears throat> confirm my conversation uh, with the vice president, uh, requesting his attendance at a regular meeting of council to go over the situation and how they can uh, reestablish confidence in council, the mayor and the community in their emergency protocols.
0: With so many calls, like you said, every report has to be investigated because it's a very serious thing. If there is a gas leak, with so many calls coming in and like and and not you and the the city not being told about this for four hours, did it put a strain on emergency services to the point? Were they being diverted, or were there there actual emergency calls that maybe saw delays because of this?
2: Uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, they were all hands on deck insofar as was trying to respond and get and get a an, an accurate uh, location an accurate description of what the problem was uh and i'm also very concerned uh when our our, our fire and police respond to these incidents they have to look after their own public safety because uh, they don't know what they're get, going into and that was my major concern is what was this what was causing the headaches the ice the eye Eye irritations, Um, a lot of the complaints I got was people just weren't feeling good. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm very worried about our emergency personnel not having accurate information during a response to uh, what would be a gas leak or a problem with uh, the Fortis' operations.
0: Well, we will uh, certainly be waiting uh, to see what comes from this and uh, what is learned from this. Mayor Harvey, we'll leave it there for today, but thank you so much. appreciate you coming on the show.
2: Anytime. Thank you so much.
0: Well, there are many, many things that the snow is making more difficult, whether you're trying to drive somewhere and if you don't have the vehicle for it, hopefully you're not attempting to go out on the roads. It seems many people have chosen that, uh, traffic being quite light, but we will keep you up to date as things inevitably get a bit busier throughout the afternoon. But what about the furry members of our families and keeping your pet safe when we are dealing with these winter weather conditions? Well, joining me now to talk a little bit more about this is Eileen Drever, Senior Officer of Protection and Stakeholder stakeholder Relations with the BC BCSBCA. Eileen, thanks so much for being here.
3: Thank you for this uh, invite. It's really important that we care for our, our fur babies, if you will, and this is a great opportunity. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you for doing this. Uh, how, how have you been dealing with the snow?
3: Well, uh, you know, we're really lucky in British Columbia because we get snow and usually within a couple of days it's gone. But the cold weather has been affecting us all. And I can say if it's too cold for you and I, it's too cold for your for your pets. Um, I do have a, a couple of suggestions. But if you decide to take your dog out for a walk, make sure it's a brief walk and when you get home clean their paws because because of the sand and the salt used in sidewalks they can the sand and salt can get between their toes and you may notice your dog starting to chew on their paws and if they ingest the sand or the salt that can cause them to have an upset tummy um and and it could cause dermatitis on their on their paws as well so make sure you do that and because the snow is pretty deep, even, you know, clean their underbelly as well. Dry off. And uh, short-coated dogs and seniors and puppies are really vulnerable. And if you're taking them out, uh, put a coat on them. Um, and we should be doing this in the spring and the summer, frankly, getting them used to wearing a coat. Um, but so... To introduce a coat to your dog, perhaps try a coat on for a couple of minutes and then reward them with a treat. And then, they'll, they'll, and then start, you know, um, leaving it on a wee bit longer. And the same would apply to you. Can purchase booties or or shoes to protect their pads. Um, we've often seen, well, I've seen many videos of dogs wearing their shoes, and you know, it, it can be amusing to us. But mm-hmm. can in fact be quite stressful to the little ones. So start to just get them used to it. Um, Hypothermia is another concern we have, and um, that can happen. And if if you notice that your dog is showing a weakness, has pale gums, confused, is breathing, shallow breathing, these could be symptoms of hypothermia. Another one to look out for is frostbite. Now, it's interesting because frostbite doesn't really show up for a few days. And if you see that your dog's ears or, or paws or their tail, that their skin is a different color, it's a blurry grayish color, or there's blistering, um, that's indicative of frostbite. So any, if your dog shows any of these symptoms, take them or call your veterinarian immediately. Um, antifreeze is another no-no. Um, so, if you're, if you spill antifreeze, please clean it up. The, there are two types of antifreeze and one, the good one is propylene, contains propylene glycol, which is biodegrade, biodegradable and is animal friendly. The bad one is contains ethylene glycol. Now, this is sweet tasting to animals and just a teaspoon can be fatal to cats. And a tablespoon can cause some really bad kidney problems for your dog. So make sure you're using the good um, antifreeze. Um, Now, I believe uh, all dogs should be indoor dogs, but not everybody believes that. So if your dog is an outdoor dog, you have to provide adequate shelter. Now, that shelter should be elevated. It should be insulated. And it needs to have bedding. <clears throat> and I've come across many people who may put uh, a carpet in the doghouse or blankets, but they can get damp, and the, the dog can't maintain its own body heat when it's laying on something damp. So we would suggest using straw, and also there should be a flap on the, the uh, entranceway into the doghouse to uh, protect your, your dog from the elements. Um, I know I'm going on and on, but there's so much to talk about so forgive me. (laughs) Okay. And then another, when you're getting into your car, bang on the hood of your car. Because if cats are outside, another, cats should be indoors, but if cats are outside, they will migrate to the heat and it could be under under the hood of the car. So bang in the hood of the car um, and make sure there's nobody under there trying to keep warm.
0: All right. That is, that is all good advice. You mentioned some types of dogs uh, that, that maybe are, are more comfortable in the cold. I, I saw a, a woman out with, a, I think it was a husky type dog. That dog looked like he was just having the best day and uh, was having a great time. How do you know if your dog, is it the coat or how do you know if you have to take more of those precautions with your pet?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, huskies, those types of dogs love the cold weather and they they have fun out there. If you notice that your dog is paw lifting, changing paws lifting all the time, and it's shivering, it's too cold. You need to bring your dog indoors and warm them up with some warm blankets. Um, it, you know, you know your dog, and you know it is incumbent upon us to protect them. Um, they are considered family members now, so it's. We wouldn't leave your children out there without gloves and coats. So let's just um, protect them.
0: And what about, And hopefully it won't stay around too, too long. We're not used to having kind of these these longer spells where the snow keeps falling or maybe we are going to get freezing rain and and, uh, longer days of this. Uh, But if people have concerns about their dogs getting
3: exercise... Well, you can you can amuse them indoors. You can play games with them indoors. And even, um, you know, you can even get those puzzle games for dogs that, that it will keep their mind occupied. And then um, take them out, let them have a run around. But if, if you're near a lake, keep them on a long leash. And I'm not talking about those extended leashes. Keep them on, like, similar to shank rope. Uh, for horses because um, this year alone we've heard of so many dogs falling through the ice so be be aware of that as well but you can allow them to have a run around but um, bring them indoors and and keep their mind occupied these puzzle toys with treats in them are fabulous all right. And uh,
0: you mentioned uh, yeah, the ice and the salt and making sure you're cleaning dogs' paws. Uh, what about uh, if people are taking their dogs in vehicles? And I, I only think of this because there was uh, the bizarre story uh, the other day about a vehicle that was stolen around 2 o'clock in the morning and the dog was in the back of the vehicle. But it was one of those very, very cold days where it was getting down to about minus 10. Uh, at what point should you not leave the dog or is it okay to leave the dog in a vehicle for short periods of time?
3: I, I personally, I don't think you should leave them in a vehicle because anything can happen. Um, and a and prime an example: a vehicle stolen. You're taking a chance. And also, you know, we as a society recognise that dogs are sentient beings, and to leave them alone. Um, some people have broken into vehicles and stolen animals before i I just wouldn't take that chance and it really depends on how cold it gets as to leaving your dog in a vehicle i normally take my dogs everywhere with me and but in this cold weather i just don't take them it's it's too cold
0: all right well those are all uh, very very good uh, pieces of advice as we are dealing uh, with these temperatures have we covered it eileen or is there anything else you wanted to add (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, I, I would like to add that if your dog um, shows signs of drooling and it's having seizures or it's ha- it has excessive thirst or urination or vomiting, that could be a sign that your dog has at- actually got into some antifreeze. Again, call your vet if you're in doubt. If your your animal is acting out of character, just reach out to your veterinarian.
0: All right, we will leave it there for today. Eileen Drever, thank you so much for making
3: the time. You're welcome.
0: Thanks for listening to the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune in to the Jill Bennett Show, live from noon till 3 on 980 CKNW. Have a question or comment? Send me an email, jill at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.